Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce your own heart, your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, good morning. It's good to be with you today. Um, if you're a guest with us, my name's Drew. I'm the pastor of Discipleship, and it really is good to see you on this fourth week of Advent as we continue through this season and as we wrap up looking at the songs of Advent, we finish today with the song of Simeon. Before we do that, waiting, right? something we all do. We spend, it feels like, half of our life waiting. We have waiting rooms and waiting lines. You have to wait to be seated. We wait on the phone to speak to the operator. Sometimes it feels like all we do is wait. Can anybody relate with that? Our life is one mad rush from one wait to another. A report from a few years ago said that on average, I don't mean to bum you out this morning, I know we're getting close to Christmas, but I just need to share this, it's a report, right? This is true. On average, in our life, we will spend six months sitting at stoplights and over five years waiting in lines. Five years waiting in lines. We hate waiting. At least I hate waiting. It's not something we enjoy it can bring uh, something anxious up within us. We don't like this idea of waiting. That's one of the reasons that Amazon is one of the most successful companies in the world. I can get this in two days. I can get this next day. I can get this in two hours. And waiting, for me, this goes all the way back to my childhood. When I think about Christmas, I think about trying to lay in bed at night on Christmas Eve and waiting for Christmas morning to come, not being able to close my eyes, tossing and turning Anxiety within me, expecting of the next day with this excitement, with this anticipation. Couldn't wait for Christmas morning. But waiting isn't always easy. In fact, oftentimes waiting can be incredibly difficult and incredibly challenging. And for many in this season of our world, the past year that we found ourselves in, maybe it's been marked by waiting. Maybe you feel that this morning, waiting on a test result, 
waiting on a new job, waiting to figure out what it's going to look like to pay the bills the next month, waiting to see friends and family, waiting to see what tomorrow looks like, waiting. And in the midst of all of this, today, on the fourth week of Advent, we look at the love of God. Something that we can talk about so much, I feel like, inside of the church that it can get a little bit smudged or maybe even a little bit stale or it can, it can lose its, its awe and wonder that God actually loves me. Think about that for a second. This reality, this truth that maybe we hear over and over, but God actually loves me. Maybe think about it like a kaleidoscope. Remember those as a kid? Think about God's love as the tube of that kaleidoscope. And as you look through, at the end of the tube, we see God's love revealed in Scripture through these beautiful shapes taking place. His love all over. And this morning, as we look at this song of a man named Simeon, he had been waiting for a long time to see and experience the love of God in an incredibly unique way. And now the wait is over. And as we're about to see, and I hope this is incredibly encouraging to you this morning, because I can promise none of us are over-encouraged today. None of us have too much hope today. None of us have too much peace today. None of us have too much joy today. But may the word of God actually meet us wherever we are, wherever we're feeling a little bit hopeless, wherever we need more joy, wherever we need an infusion of peace. May he meet us with this great truth and reality for us. This truth is just as real as it was for Simeon that the wait is over. So let me pray for us one more time. We're going to dive into our passage. Jesus, thank you for your love Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your care for us. God, we need it. It's one of those things that we can sometimes look past or we can take for granted. I pray that we wouldn't do that today. God, in the midst of waiting, I pray that you would meet us where we are, that you would wrap us in your love. For every person in here today, God, we carry in different things with us, different weights, in a sense, that are on our shoulders, maybe things that are weighing us down. Would you meet us with your truth? Would you meet us with your promise? Would you meet us with your kindness and your mercy? We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, let's dive into this. You can follow along if you want to jump on a Bible app. If you have your Bible with you, you can turn there. We're going to start here in Luke 2. You heard it read, starting in verse 25. Here we go. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So you have Simeon, an older gentleman here. His name literally means God has heard. And he's righteous and devout. It says he loves God and the Holy Spirit, this is really interesting, rested on him in a way that it rested on the prophets in the Old Testament. This is pre-Pentecost. And so in that sense, the Spirit would remain on an individual for a time 
as God was working uniquely bringing about his revelation. This is what we would call progressive revelation, that God progressively is revealing himself, his character, his nature, his will. And so at this point, the spirit is on Simeon and he's doing a work. And we see this amazing promise here that he will not see death until he first sees Jesus. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. So let's not forget about that verse. If we keep going, it says in verse 27, he came in the spirit in the temple. So the Holy Spirit literally leads him to the temple that day. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. So faithfulness and love, they go hand in hand, right? And we see faithfulness all over this passage. We'll see the faithfulness of Simeon, the faithfulness of God, but you also see the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph here that shouldn't be overlooked. Here's what I mean by this. Uh, This is what happens around Christmas. This is 40 days after Jesus' birth. So Jesus is born and Mary and Joseph, they're told that they're going to deliver the son of God. Pretty big news, right? Jesus comes, say, you're going to name him Jesus. You're going to raise him. And I love that these two young, poor teenagers, because they were, even in the previous passage, you see that they brought um, lesser sacrifice. They couldn't afford a lamb. So they brought turtle doves, which points to the fact that they really didn't have a lot. These two young, poor teenagers, they receive the very Son of God in their home, and they don't go, well, the Messiah has arrived. I guess he'll take it from here, right? Like, I don't baby here, but he's, he's also Jesus, so. No, 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 they don't do that. Jesus is coming to fulfill the law. And the love of God for Jesus from Mary and Joseph led them to raise Jesus up under the law. Does he fulfill the law? Absolutely. But before that, he grows up under the law. He learns the law, obeying the law, memorizing the law. You even see later the fruit of Mary and Joseph in this moment investing in their son. Think about it when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Where does he learn to quote Moses? Probably from Mary and Joseph at home, doing Bible study, learning. Parents, here's here's why I bring this up for one reason. Make it a normal thing to talk about Jesus in your home. Don't make it something that only gets mentioned every once in a while. To to read the Bible with your kids, to pray with your kids, to share what Jesus has done for you with them. You don't have to know everything. Mary and Joseph definitely didn't know everything, and yet they were faithful because they loved God and they loved Jesus. They raised him up in the truth. This is the most valuable and loving thing that you can offer your kids. Raise them up in the truth. Give them Jesus over and over and over again. And so Mary and Joseph, they bring Jesus, as was a custom, under the law, 40 days after his birth. And in verse 28, we see something amazing happen. And he took him up in his arms and blessed God, this is Simeon, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. Think about this kaleidoscope again. Simeon is peering through the love of God. 
He knows God's love for Israel, that salvation is coming, that the day is coming, that Rome, that Babylon, that the bad guys are no longer to be in charge, that they're going to be overcome. This day is coming. We see weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Simeon knows love is coming, and he knows, oh my goodness, it's Jesus. This is the love of God sent to us to bring salvation. Imagine being Simeon here, this older man that's approaching the end of his life, and he is holding Jesus, this small baby, in his arms, and he's literally peering into the face of God. He's embracing the love of God so tightly, and he rejoices with this song knowing that this baby will bring the hope, the joy, the peace that he's longed for, that Israel has longed for, that the world has longed for, all wrapped in love. It reminds me of when I first held our son Silas in my hands at the hospital. It was completely overwhelming. My heart has never been more full. Imagine being Simeon in this moment, that this promise that God made to him that he would not see death until he saw Jesus comes to fruition as the Holy Spirit leads him. And the Holy Spirit does for Simeon here what the Holy Spirit does for every single believer, every single Christian. You see this mentioned in John 14, 15, 16, 17, that the Spirit will come and he will take what is mine and he will glorify me. The role of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life is to point us to Jesus, to glorify Jesus. If you want to know if you're walking in step with the Spirit, are you talking a lot about Jesus? Does your life revolve around Jesus? Is it clear that you have a relationship with Jesus? The Holy Spirit's work in Simeon's life, pointing him to Jesus, just as the Holy Spirit does for us. He says a light, this will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. One of the most unique and distinct things about the love of God, hear this good news, don't miss it, is that it's for all people. Don't you love that? That it's for the Jew or the Gentile. It's for the male or the female. It's for the rich, for the poor, for the young, for the old, that God's love is for you. And it's not contractual, it's covenantal. That God loves you. It's for the wounded, it's for the broken, it's for the hurting, it's for the hopeful, it's for the lonely, it's for the anxious, it's for the tired, it's for the joyful, it's for the abused, it's for the curious, it's for the doubting, it's for the faithful, it's for the baggage-filled, seeking person. God's love is for you, poured out for you, come for you. This faithful love, this steadfast love, this enduring love, it's a constant and it's here for you. And his love is just as good today as it was before this year started. And his love is just as good today for you as it was when you messed up yesterday, last week, last month. That's how good his love is. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. This amazing, beautiful, faithful love, it's for you, it's for me. And I told you we would get back to verse 26, and here's why. Let me read it again for us. 
And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon's waited faithfully on this promise. Not always easy, I'm sure, but he waited on this promise. And every Christian today, if you know Jesus today, we get to get in line right behind Simeon and we get to say the same thing. My eyes will not see death. I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus reach into my life. I've seen Jesus regenerate me, redeem me, create me new again. No, I haven't literally physically seen Jesus, but I love him and I've seen his love within me and all around me. If we had time today, we could share examples, even in this season of how we've seen God's love, the love of Jesus all around our community. I met with group leaders this past week and they shared these stories of how God's been moving. Did you know that God's actually been redeeming marriages and relationships during this season all around our church, that his love is around us? Did you know that he's actually brought people into community that haven't been in community to years into it? that loneliness is dispersing and community has come, that he's renewing relationships, that he's been bringing new people even into this community. I see God's love in one of my friends, Rob's, his mom's life, that she's still living by the grace of God this Christmas, that he gets to spend this time with his mother. I see God's love in these stories of healing that have come about during this season. I see God's love in you handing out thousands of meals to families in our community. I see God's love in you building decks and porches for those in need, donating pajamas. I see it in the Amendolias writing letters to those who were shut in and those who were in the nursing home. I see it in our students. I see it in Colin volunteering this morning, getting up out of bed, giving their time and energy to serve outside of the church and outside of themselves. I see it in our children learning about Jesus and soaking it in. My eyes have seen Jesus. Have your eyes seen Jesus? Right? We've seen him. He's all around us and he's moving within us. And here's the big idea. The wait is over. Our king is here. No matter what you're waiting in today, he is with us in the today. He is with us and here tomorrow, no matter what tomorrow holds. He's here in the good days. He's here in the hard days. He's in all of the in-between. That with Jesus, we are not alone. We're not forgotten. We're not abandoned. Our king has come. The thing that we had waited on the most, that when God saw fit, he sent his son to seek and to save the lost. The greatest wait in our life is over. The same wait that Simeon had, waiting on a savior, waiting on salvation. If you know Jesus, if you've met Jesus, the greatest wait that you would ever have in your life is over. It's finished because you've met him. I love this, that the wait is over for Simeon, for Mary, for Joseph, for you and for me, that as Simeon said, salvation has come through a baby born that men no more may die, born to give us second birth. It's Jesus, the greatest sign of God's love. Jesus sent to us to take on flesh, God with us. And Mary and Joseph hear this and here's what they say. His father and mother, they marveled at what was said about him. 
And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and a sign and will be a sign that is opposed and the sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Here's what I want to make really clear is that God's love, it's for you and for me, but it's also for them. We want our neighbors, we want our family members, we want our coworkers, we want the worker at Starbucks, the worker at Publix, the worker at Dockery's. We want them to also not experience death without seeing Jesus. We have to take this truth. We have to be compelled by this truth, led by the Holy Spirit to share this hope, this gospel of love that's within us. We have to share it out there. Because what we see in this passage, in these last words here, is that sin is real. Death is real. Eternity is real. It's unavoidable. You can't buy your way out of it. You can't work your way out of this reality. And yet, God in his great love has made a way for those who would turn to him to never experience eternal death, but instead eternal life. He promises us that all who call on his name shall be saved. This great exchange where we give him our worst, where we give him our sin, where we give him all of it, and he gives us his best, this completely unmerited, unfair thing called grace. Says Simeon was devout and righteous, and even he realized that that was not enough. He needed salvation. He needed a Savior. He needed Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, you don't have to just put your head down. You don't have to just hope that maybe things will work out. He's inviting you today to know him, to repent, to turn to him, to give him your sin, to give him all of it, to give him your life. And he promises that he We'll have a relationship with you. That's what he wants. He wants a relationship with you, not a cleaned up version of you, who you are today. He'll take it gladly because he already gave himself for you. He's done the work. All he's looking for is you to humbly submit yourself to him, to be your savior and your Lord. If you have a good understanding of who Jesus is like Simeon has here, you'll understand how much none of us deserve to see him. This is the second person of the Trinity. We have no idea how holy and perfect he really is. For God to reach out and say, I'll give you my son, is love beyond comprehension. What would motivate God to send his very son to be born of a woman raised under the law, to literally have a sword pierce his side, to die for the sins of the world? What would motivate God to do that? It's love. It's pure, amazing, should never grow old, always hold us in awe and wonder, love. And this love is for you. This quote from Augustine I think is amazing. I think it sums it up well. This is a personal love. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. I know that might be hard to comprehend, but Jesus would have died just for you. He loves you that much. And he has you in the waiting. In the waiting of life, in the waiting of the mundane, in the waiting of the scary, in the waiting of the doubtful, in the waiting of just the unknown. The greatest wait is over 
because Jesus has come to us and he's poured out his love for us. Every night as we put Silas down to sleep, we sing the same song over and over and over. We just sing, Jesus loves me. Why do we do this? Because it's the greatest truth that you need to know. And for you today, you just need to hear it. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Whether you're a child, whether you're a student, whether you're 40, 50, 80 years old, if you have given your life to him, if you have turned to him, Jesus loves you. And if you haven't, may today be that day because he's waiting to embrace you. We have to wait on a lot of things in life, but the love of God is not one of those. Like Simeon, I would encourage us, let's embrace Jesus this Christmas, this year, for the rest of our life with this childlike wonder and awe, and let's take and share his beautiful gospel with those around us. Church, there's good news. The wait is over. Our King is here. Jesus, thank you for your love, for your kindness. And Jesus, thank you for being faithful and obedient to the Father. That you would come to be born humbly as a baby in a manger. That you would come not to be served, but to serve. That you would come to give up your life so that we could have life. Jesus, may this truth of your love, Father, your love to us in sending Jesus, Holy Spirit, your love to us in pointing us back to Jesus, may this flood our hearts, may it sink in deeply, may we have renewed awe in this love, renewed wonder in this love, may it not grow stale, may it not grow normative, may it always be special, may it always be amazing, may it always be something that just flows out of our mouths, out of our hearts, to those around us, to our kids, to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors. And God, your salvation has come. May it come to more. May it change Daniel Island. May it change Charleston. May it change Mount Pleasant. May it change the beyond, whatever the beyond is. God, you are moving. Your love is in us. It goes through us and it's all around us. Thank you for being good, even in the midst of waiting. Thank you that our greatest wait is over in you, Jesus. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.